everybody, and welcome back yet again to another episode of the 100 Series Everyday Awesome Podcast, streaming live right here on twitch.tv slash 100 Series. And uh, thank you all for tuning in, whether you're tuning in now live on the live stream, on the VOD video on demand later, on Apple, on Spotify, wherever it is, thank you for, for, for checking us out. We definitely appreciate you. Uh, having a lot of fun here on season three of the podcast. We're doing some really cool so things. Cool. Doing some really cool things. I didn't really think I'd be doing a, a season three. I, I started the podcast itself like almost two years ago, and now wow. we're yeah, now we're up to almost seventy episodes. Almost we're getting to a hundred. That's like that's the obviously obviously you all know <laughs> that's my number. That's my favorite number, one hundred. So we got some special plan for when we get to. Episode 100. We have a little bit of ways to go, obviously, but we're definitely excited to keep this uh, ball rolling and keep this journey going. And uh, one part of that journey is uh, a woman who has been on quite a journey herself. Uh, she is very big into the fitness world here in the QC. Mm-hmm. She uh, finished her schooling in chiropractic here in Palmer in Davenport. Mm-hmm. She's been from the East Coast to the Midwest. Back to the East Coast, <laughs> back to the Midwest, and we're going to talk about all of that because I want to know this whole story. We have Dr. Marisa Bauman joining us now. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Excellent. I'm doing excellent. I'm feeling good, feeling great, especially after a nice adjustment that you've given me. Thank you again for that. Namaste. So, how, so Dr. Marisa Bauman, has, it, has that sunk in yet? Um... You know, when I graduated, you know, you wait like so long for that moment, you know, where you walk across the stage and you can say, all right, I'm, I'm here. I officially made it. And it took a while. And I think even when I was starting out as I was meeting people in the community where I was planning to open, um, sometimes I felt not like self-conscious, but you introduced yourself and I'm like, do I introduce myself as Dr. Marisa? Do I introduce, introduce myself as just Marisa? Cause at the end of the day, like really, I'm just me. <laughs> I'm just Marisa. <laughs> like I, I did this schooling and it, it accredits me with this credential, which is beautiful and fantastic, but you don't really like feel any, you know, different or anything. Right. So it sunk in. I, I think as time went on and when I actually got into practice and was able to do the things that I was taught to do and that I learned and was so, you know, crazy passionate about that, that's when I really started to own like all those years and all that time and effort that went into what would have created Dr. Marisa, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. So cool. And you definitely deserved every bit because you definitely have put in the work. I've seen it myself. Yeah, you were yeah. there. Yes. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> this one came to Palmer Clinic when I was I just did. a student. I did. Know, yeah, well, you know what? Figuring it all out. You know, I'm all about helping out my friends, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll would happily, happily, you know, you know, be, uh, you know, the person to, yeah. to help you further, help you get further along in your yeah. studies. And, you know, it paid off. It, it did. You are here. You are, you are doing it big now. Doing it. Yeah. So, obviously, I know you very well. I've known you for several sure. years. But for everyone at home who may not know you, go ahead and just give them a little, a little idea of exactly who is Marisa Bauman, Dr. Marisa Bauman. Dang, you want the long answer, the short answer? The- <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll do the, the short one now. Okay. We'll get the long one as we get along. Um, well, shoot. I guess, you know, it's funny. I would have answered mm-hmm. this question so differently even just a year ago. Um, but having gone on this journey and just even over the last year, having learned so much more about like myself and what really mm-hmm. truly makes up like my worth as a human being and individual, um, I would have typically described like all the hats that I used to wear and all the like identities I used to have, you know, as like, what did I do and what have I done and where did I go and what have I contributed? But now like when someone asks me like, well, who are you or tell me your story? I think the biggest thing I say is just like, I'm just an individual who is learning how to get through life and really determine like what at the end of the day makes my heart the happiest and how do I make sure that I live and serve from that heart space um, versus worrying about anything else. So at the end of the day, I'm just a girl who's learning how to serve from her heart and live from her heart in the simplest, most happiest way possible. All right. All right. Now that is a, is an answer right there. (laughs) I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So let's start, let's start kind of from uh, the very beginning with uh, fitness. How did you get into into fitness? Because that's where I first met you. I met you at the foundation. Um, in the Quad City Circuit, uh, local uh, CrossFit-style uh, fitness facility. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you, know, you were always tearing it up. Like, you're, <laughs> you're always good doing the, the, the RX, the RX uh, workouts. Sure, which if you sure. don't know, if you're not familiar with CrossFit, RX means that's, like, the recommended, the recommended um, way that, that you should do a workout. And yeah. during the competitions, you were always in that. That RX division, sure, sure. always tearing it up, always hanging out with my my man Coy Jackson. Shout out Coy Jackson, Coy. and um, always on his team and yeah. repping Rip City. Kyle Peters, Rachel Green, yes. we just went to the games. That's awesome. Great. Yes, yeah, yeah. We had fun yeah. times. Actually, the original Rip City team was Kyle Peters, um, Morgan, and Coy and I. And then Morgan left, and we pulled in Rachel, and it was fun. And then one time, Kyle couldn't compete, so we had Alex compete with us. So Rip City has evolved and changed a little bit over the years. I remember. Kyle Peters and Dak Five, they are like the core of what made up Rip City. Yeah, I love and fun. yeah, I love seeing the Rip City T-shirts. Yeah, they always have for sale yeah, up there. And yeah, I remember the last uh, competition that I was at for the Urban Street Games. That was like two years yeah, ago we didn't have anything last year so it had to be 19 yeah yeah you're on that team with uh yeah with yep. with, with alex coy and rachel yep. and i, re- I remember because i was taking pictures there and you were you know tearing it up like giving it your all and like because <laughs> there was one picture where like i had a, that where alex was just holding you in his arms and you were like like dead, I was dead. literally dead like, just like <laughs> save me but i wasn't always that way and i actually believe it or not I'm, I'm getting a lot better, but I'm super, like, uncoordinated when it comes to, like, hand-eye or, like, ball-hand sports. So, growing up, like, I played soccer, but this was, I mean, I was maybe, like, eight years old. Um, and so, like, what do you do when you're eight years old? But I was always really quick. So, I would play wing on my soccer teams, and I would just take the ball up, pass it to the middle, we'd score a goal. And it was fun. Like, I loved being that, like, support and I think that's why I love like doing team stuff so much more than doing individual or even like partner stuff because you have that person to play off of and you can utilize both your strengths 
But so I did soccer for a little bit. And then actually in middle school, my best friend, she ran cross country. So instead of going out for soccer in school, I actually decided to go and do running. And that was really hard at first, but I grew to love it. Plus she did it. And so it kind of like felt like a team because we were together doing it. And I actually then continued in high school and I moved right before I started ninth grade. So I moved right before high school to like a totally new district, didn't know anyone, but joined the cross country team and we ran every day together that summer. And so I got to meet a lot of the school kids and we I like I created friendships, which was great. And I actually took running with me all through high school and I was going to do it and started in college, but then freshman year, I just really didn't like going for and trying to be a student athlete. So um, I was actually dating a guy at the time who was in the army and he had been doing CrossFit because back then CrossFit like got its name through work with like fire departments, police departments, um, the US Armed Forces. And he had been doing it and I was always of the mentality, like, you know, women can't lift weights, like women can't lift weights, like we'll get real bulky, like I don't wanna touch that stuff, like I don't wanna, you know, hurt myself Mm -hmm. and all this crap, right? Um, And eventually he like wore me down enough that I gave it a try. And me and his mom actually went to our first CrossFit class together. And I just fell in love with it. It gave me that like team aspect again that I had been missing since high school from like running and that I didn't have in college because I would just kind of run on my own at that point. Um, And now you were like in this class, everyone has so much like energy and camaraderie and like there's just this sense of community like within that gym um, that I was really attracted to it. And that was back in, gosh, like 2011. Okay. So I did it for a summer, but then I went back up to college and they didn't have a gym where I was going to at school. So I just kind of did some random stuff in like the gym there and called it a day. And it was very like off and on. But in 2013, there was a local gym that opened up. So I actually went there. I met like my best friend from college now, Jamie, there. We ended up coaching together. We got our coaching cert. And then from there on, like, that was it. So we had a lot of fun. And that's when we really started to, like, get more into the competitions and, you know, be more out in the public eye. And CrossFit was starting to really gain a lot of traction at that point as, like, a a sport and something for people to do and more of the community and just everyday people would come in and do classes. And I loved that you could, yeah, you could RX the workout, but everything was, like, infinitely scalable. So no matter what level you came at, you know, it got, you, you could do it. And so, yeah, like people will see me like, like oh, you're fit or, oh, you can do the workouts, RX and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't catch a base, like a baseball mm-hmm. in a mitt, like to, to save my life. And I, I've, I've been practicing and I've gotten a lot better at bags, <laughs> beers be. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on it, but yeah, hand-eye coordination, I could still use a little help with. And this was all <laughs> on the East Coast, right? So, yeah, that was mostly on, that was all on the East Coast. So, I went to college at Villanova, and that's, like, right outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, so on the main line there. Um, I've lived most of my life on the East Coast. I did live in Connecticut for about four years when I was between, like, three and eight years old, three and nine years old, but both of my parents, both of their families are all pretty much in South Jersey. So that's where I'm originally from, is right outside of Philadelphia, but on the New Jersey side. Um, And so when I was going through sport, and I actually grew up, like, hating chiropractic. 
I knew nothing about it. I thought it was a bunch of like voodoo, like hoopla, BS, like what is this, crack your back kind of deal. Um, And so I specifically avoided chiropractors for a long time. And I was considering going to physician assistant school or medical school. And this was around the time where I was coaching. I was coaching. I was like, what can I do that will help me better serve like my athletes and you know people come in with aches and pains and injuries and stuff all the time no matter what they're doing and so I was just trying to like really figure out where I fit in with all of it and I have been dealing with my own injury and I did all the things that like they tell you to do right like I went to the ortho I got my x-rays I did physical therapy I even tried like acupuncture and that was like the most voo-woo like voodoo thing wow. that I had done <laughs> what, did the, what was that like I've never had acupuncture what's that what's the whole experience and like? now I love it but when I had first tried it I did dry needling which is where they put like a needle into the muscle fascia and then they like twist it And it essentially, like, contracts the muscle and then relaxes. So it's supposed to help, like, increase blood flow and yada yada. But I have since tried it. I actually networked when I was a chiropractor with a local acupuncturist, another female business owner. Um, And so she did a session, a couple sessions with me, and I loved it. You basically, it's about balancing energy throughout the body. Um, So it was really interesting. And it's also just kind of nice to have like half an hour, 45 minutes where you can just, the point is to be still okay, and just kind of being yourself and be aware of your body. And I just think in general, mindfulness practice is so important. Um, so yeah, it was actually, it was, it was kind of cool. Wow. Yeah. But I, I didn't, I didn't like chiropractic at all. And when I tried all the traditional things and didn't get better, like six, nine months, there was actually a chiropractor in the CrossFit gym that I was coaching and working at. And I eventually just gave in and went to him. And when he started explaining to me like the philosophy behind what he was doing and what chiropractic was, I realized that all my life I had the same similar philosophy about the body and the nervous system and what we're really as humans like capable of insofar as healing goes, um, that it just kind of clicked like that. And I said, all right, I guess it's time to go to chiropractic school. And it's so funny because here I am, like Jersey girl. There's chiropractic schools in like upstate New York, which is gorgeous. Daytona Beach, Florida, California, Texas. You know, you can go anywhere. But I had never, ever traveled or been to the Midwest. And so I said, you know what? Screw it. Like, if I've never been there and have had that experience, it's time to like go out and have that experience. So here I was, checking my shit all out. And I came to Quad Cities, Davenport, Iowa, and went to school. And that's how I ended up here. So what was it like <laughs> being an East Coast girl yeah. now in the Midwest? What stood out to you most? What were you were there, was there any culture shock for you being you here know, in the Midwest? It's funny because at first I expected to have culture mm-hmm. shock. Like I expected that it would be really different. Um but I think that's where like my own ignorance kind of came into play because where I lived in South Jersey is very much like Bettendorf, Davenport. Like, South Jersey is really pretty. And as you continue more south, you have the shore, you have Pine Barrens, there's a lot more farmland. Up north in Jersey, it's pretty, there's lots of hills, but it gets more congested. And then obviously you have the big cities like New York, and then Philadelphia is pretty big, but I would kind of compare it to like Des Moines. 
be pretty much you can get anywhere within 15 minutes if you're driving in a car and then there's obviously public transportation but when I came out here to visit in July before I actually moved here in November I was like very surprised I mean really it was very much like living in Davenport Bettendorf the only difference that I would tell people is that in 20 minutes if I left like my hometown in Jersey I could be in the city in Philadelphia if you drive 20 minutes outside of the Quad Cities like you're just in the middle of the you're cornfields nowhere. right you're nowhere <laughs> you're just nowhere <laughs> so that was the only like main or major mm-hmm. difference um between the two areas so I really didn't have a lot of culture stock but it could it would crack me up because I would go home people are like How's Iowa? How's the corn? How's the cows? I'm like, it's great. There's pigs too. And the whole thing. So I think a lot of times, like, you know, we just have this like idea that the Midwest is just a whole bunch of like nothing Mm -hmm. and land and flatlands. Right. And then the East coast is just so like busy and congested. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's definitely pockets in every area, but it was actually not a huge culture shock. Like I very much felt comfortable just like being in here. That's cool. And I think that has to, has to do with the diversity of the region. Because mm. here in the Quad Cities, you have, like, everything. You have the suburbs. You have totally. the inner city. You yeah. have the rural farmland. Yeah, you have All of it in, like, one little spot. Yeah. So it's like you literally can, just can cross the street. Right. And, like, you're, you're, you're in your inner city. Or you cross the street again, right. and you're in the downtown. You cross totally. the street again, <laughs> and you're on a farm by, right. by a cow. Right. And, like, having been to, you know, larger cities, I love to go to L.A. I go to L.A. a lot, visiting my cousin and all the other creatives out there, uh, just getting around that that, that whole different vibe. But but L.A. is its its own monster, and it's completely different from anything you will ever experience here in the Quad Cities. And, and yeah, I just... uh, I just I I really 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 appreciate coming back. Totally I appreciate like what what we have here. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, especially when you're here a lot, um, you kind of grow a little weary and tired sure. of of where you live. And I think that none that's everywhere. Um, For sure. So definitely definitely get out get out and travel and just mm-hmm. see other places in the country in the world or even your own state that that you've been to and you'll get so much more perspective totally. and you'll definitely appreciate where you live a whole lot more trust me or realize that like you like something different that as well <laughs> <laughs> hence why i ended up back in the quad cities after moving back home have you been overseas um i have not yet and the way things are right now i know well, i don't know when right? that's gonna happen i know i've been to canada though okay okay yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. I've been to uh, I was been to the Niagara Falls, Canada yeah. side. Yep, gorgeous. That was that was really cool. Yeah, being able to see the, all the waterfalls and everything, and we got to go up to um, it's called the Skyline Tower that overlooks the waterfalls. Oh yeah, it's like a big needle. Yeah, kind of looks like a. Yeah, and it spins. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. It spins. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's a restaurant on the top, and it spins, and like it's like a, it takes an hour. For it to spin all the way, so you see everything around yeah, you. It's pretty. It's a gorgeous area. And um, went to Toronto. Cool. The Six. Got to go to the Six. Okay. Yeah. So then um, that's a pretty cool city itself. Nice. And um, from Toronto, I went to Montreal. Wow. And that was the biggest difference there because they speak French in Montreal, and I didn't speak French at all. Wee oui, wee. Oui. So so I was <laughs> thankfully I have some of the friends I was with 
they spoke French. That's cool. So I was so I was alright. That's always helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's interesting how how different yeah. how different Canada is from from the U.S. Just from the small things like the currency and <laughs> the metric system and yeah. and, all, and all that. Yeah, we're kind of in our own world sometimes here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do want to go back to Canada sometime. Yeah, uh, probably more so West Coast because I'm just so in love with the West Coast. So you know, definitely I in Vancouver there at some go. point in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, Seattle's also on my list as well. Seattle's cool. I definitely haven't. I haven't been, but I've heard a lot of good things about Seattle. Yeah. So I definitely want to check it out now. You go to Seattle, and then you can hop on a cruise ship and take a cruise around Alaska. Oh, that's really... Yeah. We did that when I was younger. My dad took us on a vacation where we did that. It was pretty cool. So we spent like a couple days in Seattle, and then you ported there. And I think we went to Juneau, Sitka. We went to like Glacier Bay. It was really, It was really cool. Totally different, like, experience. Well, I bet Alaska, by it's just in itself, you know, you it's have neat. the mountains. Yeah. And did you see any any, any um, caribou or anything like that? I don't know. We didn't do too many excursions. We we flew to a glacier and walked on that, but we didn't get to see much, like, wildlife. I think in the helicopter we got to see, like, a couple bears, to be honest. But, yeah, nothing else. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, Alaska's definitely a place that... I want to check out too. Yeah. Just you know, just I've never been anywhere that's like that before. Yeah. And I definitely uh, after having you know traveled so much to to the same place so many times, I'm definitely putting a list together of Do all it. the places I want to check out. I think even considered like getting a U.S. map because there's I've I've been around the world a little bit, which has been incredibly amazing experience and I've been very blessed to be able to do that but I haven't really traveled too much in the U.S. and I would really like to go around so I've considered getting a map and mm-hmm. just darting you know and just mm-hmm. going where the where the dart lies that'll be that'll be cool just like using an excuse like maybe right. picking the nearest mm-hmm. like area of civilization or whatever but mm-hmm. um yeah just to, like do different things mm-hmm. that's awesome that's awesome yeah I know um I have a cousin of mine where He's a a violinist, oh, a Lee nice. Lee England Jr. Shout out Lee England, Lee England Jr. That's who awesome. is actually in uh, New York City right now, um, and he, he I know when I visited him last when he lived in L.A. he had a map of the U.S. Uh huh. Um, and on his map he had little pins of every place like where he's been. He's been, yeah. That's cool. So it's still like I'm trying I'm trying to get like my own little little map together. See, like there that. you go. There's so many places in the U.S. that I think. Yeah, are are not as traveled and should be. So, coming back now <laughs> to the Quad Cities. We digress. Uh, <laughs> we got off on a little tangent there, but that's all right, though. Let's talk about how you got you know, linked up with everything here, with Foundation, yeah. Palmer, sure. all that. Sure. So, I chose Palmer because that's where... The chiropractor that I knew had gone. I knew one chiro that went to Palmer Davenport, and I knew one chiro that went to Palmer, Florida. Um, and I was really between the two, but like I said, I wanted a new experience, so I came to the to Davenport. Um, but CrossFit was the fact that I did CrossFit back in Jersey was how I got connected here. And so I remember researching like the area and finding QCCF Quad City CrossFit, and that was the like pretty much the only gym really like in this area at the time um this was back in 2015 so 
I took a trip out here to visit the area, to find an apartment, and to like tour the school prior to moving. This was in the summer. And I reached out and said to the QCCF, like, hey, I want to drop in. I'm going to be in the area. I'm moving here in the fall. What's up? And so I actually met my best friend here, Maddie. She was a coach at the time and an athlete on Quad Cities, like, games team. Because that's, too, like, when I was researching, I was like, oh, QCCF. Um, at the time, it was, like, uh, Seth Rollins' team. Like, he had, like, sponsored them at the games and stuff. And so... I said, oh, this will be fun, and this is a way for me to like, continue a little bit of competitiveness and just kind of get it back into things, and I came out, met with Maddie, met with Brandon, who um, is part owner with Josiah, and just loved the atmosphere, loved the community. I met Maddie's mom, Amy, and I said, this is great. When I come back, here we go, and I think the week that I came back, I got settled in for a couple days, and then... Um, I had been at the gym and Maddie and I decided to like go get ice cream at Whitey's. I had never heard of Whitey's. Like, what is this Whitey's thing? <laughs> um, and we went and got ice cream and sat there and chatted for maybe like an hour or something. And from then on, like we became best friends. And from then just being a part of the gym, um, I worked out and having my coaching certification in January. So just a couple months later, I started coaching at their other location in Moline. Right next to Milltown Coffee. Yeah, that's, used to the one, be. that's the one that, that, I, that you were I went to, yeah. Yep. So I did like open gym and I coached um, with Hector, like a girls soccer team, um, like class, and just continued to meet more people. And that's how I really got connected like with a lot of the locals in the Quad Cities because you meet people at school, right? So like we immediately had a group of friends at school that was great. There was like 20 to 25 of us and we supported each other through studying and everything related to chiropractic and being in doctorate school. But it was actually so nice to have a community of people and friends that was removed from school and kind of an outlet when I didn't want to focus on that anymore. Like I could, you know, get like a little escape and just again, have people that are more rooted in the area because too, once you graduate, like everyone usually, except for me, I guess, goes back to where they're from and like does their thing there. You know, very rarely do people stay here. And I like, there are a couple people that are local that go to Palmer, but the majority of people come from all over. So usually they leave after school. And speaking of Palmer, how, how was that whole experience? Obviously, you graduated, so it was great. Yeah, sure, but, sure. but while you were studying there, what was that like? Um, it was a lot of work. It was just a lot of hard work. Um, I think what really prepped me the most for doctorate school was when I had gone undergraduate at Nova, I originally went for communications and journalism and then switched when I was a junior to biology. And so because I had already taken so many classes and I was on track, like I was planning to graduate early with my major um, in comm and my minor in poli-sci. But when I became a junior, now I had like, quote, two years left. And all I had were basically the advanced science classes to take. So I was taking like three or four lab classes on top of each other. And those are pretty like intensive classes and research classes and stuff like that. So it really... I think allowed me to hone my skills on being a student. And so when I came to Palmer and enrolled in the doctorate program and stuck with the regular schedule of getting done in like three and a quarter years, like the accelerated program versus like doing it in five, 
um, that's what really gave me the ability to learn a lot of information in a short amount of time and then be able to effectively like put it into action and put it into practice. And then two, the group of friends that I made were all very similar in goal oriented, like performance based results. So we were all very good at continuing to encourage each other to be our best and learn our best so that we could serve our best out in the communities again. So having those friends and being able to get together and study and actually be productive um, was really fantastic. And then, you know, we would spend Friday nights usually doing our thing and having fun. And then that way, Saturday night, you recovered and then you studied (laughs) and had Sunday. So like it was a nice balance between school life, studying life, being able to get that mental outlet of like fitness and see my people at the gym every day. And then be able to relax with some of those same friends that also needed a mental break from Palmer and then also like right back to studying. I mean, these were long days. We started at 730 and sometimes we didn't finish until, you know, five o'clock or so. And then you had homework and, you know, shadowing to do and reports and everything. But good job. Obviously, we yeah, you did it right. Like you're going in a doctor program like you. You got to know that you're going to work. Um, so. It was a humbling experience, but a very rewarding one. Um, so I can't really complain about it now, but I definitely complained about it at the time. <laughs> I bet. Now, yeah. my dad actually, a long time ago, we're talking 2000, mm-hmm. but he used to be a security guard uh, at Palmer. I didn't know that. Yeah, this is a long time ago. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and like yeah, so he would always give me like the the, in, the insider <laughs> the details about about what about what the students you know did there. So I had a sure. little bit of idea. One thing he always that he said to me that always stuck with me was like that, that you guys use the the cadavers, right? Yeah. Um, oh to, yeah. To to study with, right? Mm-hmm. What is that like having to work with that? Well, I'll tell you this: if you do it in the summertime, you just you just smelled all the time. You just smelled of straight, Man. like, chemical and deceased individuals. It was, it was rough. I think when we were in Cadaver Lab, I honestly don't remember. Because you use, you use them periodically, but I think it was second try. So I think we kind of just beat the summer heat. I think it was second try. I, I honestly, I can't recall. But, um, I mean, it was the first time I had ever seen, mm. like, a dead body, essentially, mm. a cadaver. So... Um, at first you just kind of go in and you're like, okay, like this is going to be something new. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, as we continue to learn and like had more advanced classes and like neuro and stuff, you know, you would literally be holding half of a person's head in your hand that was like sliced right down the middle so that you could observe like the sinuses and see parts of the eye and then the right. Yeah. It's just really, really interesting, cool stuff. But I mean, it's a fantastic tool to be able to have even just access to that, right? And, like, have the people that decided to donate themselves, like, you know, mm-hmm. be able to be those cadavers for mm-hmm. our learning and our benefit. So it was always a very, like, I don't know how to really phrase this, but just, like, honoring and respectful mm-hmm. experience, I guess. Like, you knew what you were looking at, and it would kind of, like, catch you at some points, but also you just recognize the importance of, like, actually being able to see something 
in life, like live form right there versus looking at it in a book or drawing a mm-hmm. picture of it, you right. know, or viewing like now they have so many 3D models and like anatomy stuff, mm-hmm. which is cool. Like the technology is so great nowadays, but it was definitely really cool to be able to go into like a bicep arm and the shoulder girdle and like look at all the blood vessels and nerves that pass through there and be able to take what you were learning mm-hmm. in the books, right? And actually see it right there and then every person is different literally every body right is different and people have different distributions and sometimes the blood vessels and nerves pass through the underbelly of this muscle versus the overbelly of that muscle and so like it's just it's it's cool to be able to see it there and touch it and feel it and understand it i bet you're you know very eager to get to the living patients uh, as soon as you could though yeah that's always fun right I mean, they tell you that you're not supposed to, like, practice on your friends and stuff when you're in younger tries, but, like, everybody does it. So (laughs) we had been, like, fooling around and trying to, you know, sadly figure out, you know, how to adjust, Mm -hmm. you know, when we were even just in younger tries. But then once you actually get into more of those technique classes and then you get to start working on people in the community. So you start by working on each other. So, like, you're in the student clinic and you literally are working on yourself with other students in your try and then you start getting assigned like the younger students like the first tries and the second tries who like are coming in and then you graduate on into working with people like in the community which you might be lucky where you get an older try that's going to pass along some of their patients that now because they're graduating they need people or if you knew people in the community like I was so blessed because of my connection with the CrossFit gym with the foundation or the old QCCF um, I was able to even like bring in some patients Um, Especially when you have larger classes of students, sometimes the current patient base at the Palmer Clinic might not be enough to be able to help you get all the reps and all the experience, you know, adjusting people so that you can get credit so that you can continue to move on in the program. So it was really a blessing for me that I got to do that. And my friend Maddie at the time, she was pregnant and had her baby. So I got experience like working with pregnant mom and working with young kids. And so it was, it was honestly, I had a really, really fantastic time when I was in school. Nice. So when you finally finished you walked that stage got your mm-hmm. diploma yeah uh, i know you were you were um during the last couple of adjustments you were, you uh, did with me at palmer mm-hmm. you know you're you know saying how you're planning on going back home yep. and and you know helping your community yep. back where you live and obviously i was pretty sad about that yeah. but happy for you at the same time sure. and i know a lot of other people were as yeah. as well and um Let's go ahead and just talk about that journey back sure. to to the East Coast and yeah. what you did when you finally got back home. Sure. Um, yeah, like you even wrote a testimonial for me. Like I was starting to create my website mm-hmm. and everything and it was cool. So I wasn't, when I went into school, I wasn't sure like if I was going to open my own or like work with another doc or what the best path was. But as I continued through the program, I really realized that being my own boss and having my own practice and practicing the way that I wanted to and the way that I felt the philosophy was bestly communicated was going to be where I really thrived. And, you know, so many people tell you, like, Quad Cities is so congested. Like, there's so many chiropractors here and this, that, and whatever. And, you know, it became my plan. Well, 
if I'm not going to stay in this area, like I'm going to go home to New Jersey and I'm going to open up a practice there. That was always my plan. There are people there that need care. Some people in my family, like as I learn more about chiropractic and what it can do, I just realized how much like I wish I could have learned and done this sooner so I could have helped people like earlier. Um, And so I was very married to this idea that I needed to graduate and go home and open practice. So um, even though I had been with Alex at the time and like we were trying to figure out what that might look like, I was very much like I need to go back to New Jersey. Like that's the only way. It's the only way that I'll have a successful practice. The only way that I'll fulfill like what I even came here to do. Like this is what I have to do. Like just so focused on like this end goal. And When I graduated, I ended up staying for a couple more months. I worked with a doctor local in Des Moines um, and just continue to learn from them because school does a great job of teaching you like how to be a clinician, Mm -hmm. but they don't really teach you like how to run a business. So at the end of the day, like you still have to pay your overhead and like make sure that you can Mm -hmm. have your doors open so that you have a place to serve people. Right. So that was great. I went home in July. I approached banks to get a loan. I went around and looked at locations to open a practice. I knew that I wanted to be in more of like a retail setting and a commercial space versus being in more of like an office space or like a medical center space. I wanted it to be more of like a boutique-y experience versus being like, I call them carpet chiropractors. (laughs) It's like the old school where you're like driving down the road and you see like this like rinky dinky like wooden sign and someone's like house, you know, like you walk into someone's house and like it's the Cairo or like even dentists have like done that stuff. But, um, and then I knew that I didn't want to be necessarily like in an office Mm -hmm. setting where it was like one room, all white walls, like feels super sterile and not like fun. I wanted to really let my personality and like just me shine through the practice as well and just create like this really nice warm welcoming homey feel to a practice so i finally found a space at the end of august um got connected with a bank and got a loan i started networking in the community and we started our build out at in the end of january Mm -hmm. um now we're in like february march of 2019 So I had been doing a lot of events, like a lot of marketing events in the community. I would go to bridal shows. I would go to craft fairs. I would go to farmer's markets. I would set up at just random places. I joined a networking group and I was just marketing like, hey, this is what's coming. Walk along the process with me. We're going to be opening soon. Let's set you up with a preliminary appointment to come in. And um, it was literally two weeks before our ribbon cutting. It was mid and March. The build out was done. The office is pretty much all set up and ready to go. And we hear two weeks to slow the spread, right? Coronavirus came in with oh, a bang. Oh, man. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> we've got two weeks to our ribbon cutting. Like, maybe we'll be fine and mm-hmm. we can just keep on keeping on. Well, obviously, that didn't happen. <laughs> so um, we decided to delay opening. I had my team, like I had hired two girls that were working with me. We were training, like all getting ready. Um, And we just decided to indefinitely postpone um, because we didn't know like what was going to happen or when people would feel comfortable going out again and stuff. But it was really disappointing. Like, you know, you put so much effort and that had taken a whole, you know, however many months, nine months, 10 months to like get this process going. 
And um, we just like couldn't do anything. And it was pretty much all set up. Like I maybe had some articles and stuff that I wanted to write as like handouts to give practice members, but like all the paperwork, all the decorations, like all the systems, all the technology, everything was set and ready to go. Um, And so we didn't end up opening until July 6th. We opened up the weekend after July 4th. And this was a couple weeks after we had started to see like some nail salons were opening again, some gyms were opening again. You didn't have to like only go out for groceries or to see family members or friends, close relatives and stuff. So um, it was about, you know, three months of downtime in between. Yeah. Last year was, it was just rough for for everyone. Yeah. A lot of things. No, especially... You know, someone, you know, like me, who's always on the go, who's always, totally. you know, doing things and oh, yeah. talking to people, meeting with people and not being able to really do that for like yeah. two to three months right. was like, I, I had to get creative, you know, yeah. as, as we do right. just to find some way to still do what we love yeah. amidst all this uncertainty and totally craziness that's going on oh yeah completely and i mean there are still people that haven't like quite recovered from everything and so that breaks my heart and it was a very humbling thing to be able to provide a service and like to the community and do something that would allow me to be open one right and like actually run my business because chiropractors were seen as essential at the time um, because we helped to keep people out of hospitals right out of areas where we needed more space and whatnot so but to be able to run that business and then be able to provide jobs for two other individuals right who weren't able to do anything like that was a very um honoring and humbling experience just to say like while so many other businesses and people were either out of work or like not able to open, that we were able to do that amidst all the uncertainty in the pandemic. So, what were some of the things that you had to do during like the when you were able to officially open? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, still during the pandemic was still yeah, going on. Right. What still were some things that you it. guys had to to do just to make sure that you know you were taking care of the patients mm-hmm. or no properly and yep. you know given all the different protocols and yeah. and stuff that were put in place. Yeah, so we called a lot of we had like over 100 people that were already with prepaid appointments like on the books ready to go. So we called every patient and just talked them through like our downtime when we were planning to open and just see like who was comfortable coming in and who was maybe just going to continue to postpone until they felt a little bit more comfortable or until things died down. So one, we probably had about 10 ish percent 10 to 20 percent of people decide to like continue to delay when they were going to come in for their first visit and then for the people that were coming in one because we were new we actually kind of structured it so that we only had like a unit in the office like every half hour and then we had consultation rooms that were separated and then our adjustment rooms were separated by different walls so people were kind of like able to be in their own space and you were only really interacting with one other person like our team member at the time um, and then we kept like our report of findings very small where we did group reports. And so everyone was able to kind of sit along in the office, like where they felt comfortable. Um, and so that's really what we did. We kept sanitizer places for people and just, we just did things that other people to help make them feel the most comfortable. So anything that we could do to help them, that's what we did. And then honestly, like one of the biggest things that we were able to do was just to provide an ability for people to take care of issues that were impeding their ability to have better health. So like you can't go out and exercise or get sunlight and vitamin D 
because your back is experiencing so much spasm and pain or you're dealing with you know, hip issues or whatever, and they come and start getting adjusted and now they start to feel better. And so they're able to exercise and like obesity, you know, is one of the like comorbidities to having any kind of respiratory virus turn a little bit more aggressive. Right. And then you get people that are dealing with like asthma and lung issues and they would come and start getting adjusted. And anecdotally, they experience like not having to use, um, their inhaler as much and being able to exercise more or people felt more energetic and more motivated to eat healthier and get more nutrient dense foods. And so that was like our little way of being able to educate the community and help individuals on their own health journeys so that they could be a better, more functioning individual with less pain and therefore less need for potential other interventions or even just decreased risk of some of these other health issues that can concurrently make any kind of infection or virus even more aggressive. So that was really like humbling and exciting for us because we got to help people through that. Cool. About when, from the time you opened up your practice, yeah. when did you really feel like you were really like hitting your stride and really, really you know, getting and going? And I can't and even... I think back to it now and like sometimes I get myself choked up about it because I know that it was the hard work that I put into it that helped me grow so quickly, but it still like shakes you that you get to see the fruit of your effort like so fast. So I mean, from November of the year before until, or essentially, yeah, end of October, November, the year before, 2019, until March of 2020, I mean, I was doing events like constantly and networking every single week at chamber events. I had a regular like BNI style networking group, and that's really helped me start to gain traction. I was really active on social media. And so when we were ready to open, like I said, we had already 130 plus people that were prepaid with appointments like come into the office. So then once they started on their plans of action based on their issues and stuff, we just started to continue to grow. And as people started to notice functional changes, then they would start to refer people in. And I mean, we grew our first, we made overhead on our practice within our first like two weeks. And that was really quite incredible for us. And then we were seeing upwards of like 150 patient visits in a week, which was only four days by like our our fourth week in practice, fifth week in practice. And then we continued to grow. When I ended up selling the practice in end of December, early January of this year, I mean, we were seeing 290, 295 patient visits in a week. So we grew really, really quickly, which is pretty incredible for one, a new practice just in general in chiropractic, but then two, a new practice amidst everything that was going on with SARS-CoV-2. During a, yeah, during a, a pandemic, you were right. able to to get those kind of numbers and that's very impressive. Yeah. And I only speak those numbers not because of what it represented for the practice. It's what it represented for that individual. Because when you're dealing with health issues or you're not functioning as well as you can, or you're in pain, like... That eats up at your emotional and like mental health. Um, and so the fact that like people were seeing such an incredible results and people were getting better. And so we started to grow and our marketing was working really nicely where people were interested in learning more. And we worked with a lot of pregnant moms and we got in with kids and kids with autism and like just just incredible stories and histories, right? 
each person that you affected, if their life got better in some way, that didn't just affect them. It affected their significant other. It affected any children that they had. It affected their, you know, co-workers at work because they were happier, doing better, experiencing life in a different way without all that dysfunction and pain. So that was like hearing their stories and hearing like when we did our regular check-ins like every so often in care and like getting to learn about what's been improving and whatnot, like hearing that is, that was like the most rewarding part. And I think that's what gave me and my team even more motivation to like, we're doing something really important and we're actually contributing something really positive. And we just continue to encourage what was happening and and what that meant for the community that we were doing. I went home with the intention to change the way that we viewed our health and change the trajectory of health in South Jersey. And I really truly believe that that's what we started to do. And that was an incredibly um, exciting and fulfilling feeling. And it's also important that you had that goal already set out and you, and you, you, you told it to me. Yeah. And you know you spoke it into existence. That's yeah. really what what you've done. You've you've said what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. You had the plan. And I always I read I read a book once and talks about this that when you when you have a goal and you say it mm-hmm. out loud, really mm-hmm. it, you give life to it. Totally, you give life to that. And then like your mind automatically starts mm-hmm. to just. Figure out ways to make it happen. Oh, it's yeah. like it's like when you wake up in the morning and you know you have to go to work. Well, you are you you already start doing things mm-hmm. that will get you to your destination. Mm-hmm. You know, so oh, yeah. when you have you know a goal like that and it's the main focus of your mind, totally, you're gonna you're going to do things to make that become reality. Oh yeah, I'm all about like understanding energy, understanding manifestation, like your reality becomes what you focus on, right? And just how to understand creating that vision and almost speaking things into existence before they exist, right? Like actually doing that and saying that is going to draw in or attract more of that energy from the universe, which can then help you continue with your goals, right? You can't just like sit there with a shovel and expect things to just happen. Mm -hmm. But as you put some of that energy and that work out there, you start to attract in, you know, you reap what you sow, right? right? So... Yeah, but I, I'm I'm all about that. I love yeah. that energy. And I also liked how you mentioned that you were actually you were putting in those steps back in November 2019 before right. you even opened the practice totally. that you were already you know doing things and you were taking actions to set up you know the eventuality right. of that practice becoming a practice. Totally. And I think a lot of people you know they always see the end product. Mm-hmm. They never see all of the work yeah. that is put into making that that end product happen and don't discredit you know what you don't see right. if that makes sense because you know you take any you know big pro athlete you know you only see them for that little bit of time on TV oh, yeah. during during the game you don't see all of the hours of practice you know I always like to hear that um I don't know if you saw that Island that Allen Iverson um, interview a, a long time ago. Philadelphia Sixers. Yeah, he's like practice. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. practice. Pra- but no, but, yeah. but, but no, practice. The, the, the practice is the most important yeah. part. Yes. You know, it's like to say, you know, champions aren't recognized in the ring 
or sorry, sorry, champions aren't made in the ring; they're recognized in the ring. Totally. Champions are made in practice. Right. So you, you gotta you gotta be willing to do all that back work. Yeah. So that when it comes to game time, you know you can really show the world what you can do. Totally. Yeah, there's, I don't, I'm going to botch it. There was like another great quote that talks about like, you don't rise up to the occasion, like you fall to the level of your training because really at the end of the day, like that effort and that work that you put into it, that's what you're always going to have as your foundation and your baseline for sure. And um, now you were in the East Coast, you've opened up the successful practice, uh-huh. and um, you mentioned it already that you sold the practice, Yeah. so what made that come around, and what made you want to come back to the Quad Cities? Yeah, it's actually a really interesting story, so here we are, right, right before two weeks to slow the spread, like right before our opening, and um, how do I best describe this? You put so much effort and so much work into something. And it's something that I'm doing, right? I'm doing it. I'm producing it. I'm creating it. And then you get there and all of a sudden you have it. And it's like right within your reach. Coronavirus hits. Can't do anything about it. It's still right there. But we're not going to be in practice. But it's all set up. It's all ready to go. I have it. And for the first time in my life, I think ever, but at least since... I was very young. It was the first time I really had to like sit with myself and be still because we live in this like rat race world, right? And I, a lot of my own like emotional woundings and like history and identity was so wrapped up in what I could do and what I could accomplish and what I would produce and like being a contributing member and all of this that I kind of lost touch of my own voice by like listening to the opinions and listening to the idea that you needed to do it and do it all and do it big. Like you went to Iowa to get your doctor. Like you better come home and have this banging practice and show everybody all the fruits of your hard work. You know, like you better make it, you know, show them all that time that you spent away what it's going to do. Right. And like, I'm capable of producing, I'm capable of doing. And that's how I always live my life. Like always striving for the best, 100%, A's, do it all, be a great athlete, like do it, right? And now I'm here sitting still with the rest of the world and I can't do, I literally can't do. And I had to sit and recognize that when I didn't have that thing to do, me as Marisa was extremely unhappy. And I, I, I like cried for like nights on end. Just like, why? Because here you did, like you got everything that you could have fucking wanted, right? Like you got everything, but you're still like, there's something missing. And um, it took me a little bit to really start to understand like what that was and what that meant for me. And I actually ended up quarantining quite a bit here in Iowa. Like I would drive from Jersey and I came here and I stayed here for almost all of pretty much from mid-April until mid-June. I was here. I stayed with Maddie and just kind of like lived in secret here and did some work on my computer because I had like nothing else to do. And 
I couldn't do anything at home either. And something kept drawing me back to the Midwest. Um, I miss Alex and I had decided to end things because of the distance and not moving forward anywhere. And I was really missing um, that part of my life. I was missing our puppers. And there was something about the Midwest style of life and having the space to breathe. Like I just kept like feeling like I couldn't breathe. Like I was so suffocated by opinions of other people, everything that was going on there, the need to constantly do and the need to constantly be busy um, that I just ignored so many other parts of my heart and so many other parts of what made me me. And I just realized more and more that the Midwest was where I felt more like myself than where I was in Jersey. And so even before I opened the practice, even before I opened the practice, I knew that I was going to eventually either sell it or bring in an associate and another doc in there and move back to the Midwest. Um, and that it was a really difficult place to be in because here you were about to open. And I mean, like, you know, we still opened and we still serve the community, but also have this like under underlying understanding and this underlying voice and inner child that is saying like, this isn't going to be your forever home. Like this isn't going to be where it all ends. Um, and so dealing with both of those like facets of life, like there was one part of me that was so interested in like finances and the business and like making this wonderful, fantastic thing for the community. And then there was another aspect of myself that was more about like my emotional health and my needs and my wants and my heart that it was just like this back and forth. And I actually ended up starting to talk to, um, an individual, his name is Pablo, um, Pablo Giacopelli. He was actually a really, um, really, really fantastic tennis coach and tennis player. Um, and I started chatting with him once a week and he, his whole premise is like reintroducing you to your heart, reintroducing you to the blind spots, the emotional blind spots that we start to create as we like go through life. Right. And so in chatting with him when I was in this place was so crucial and vital in like almost teaching me how to listen more to like my heart and how to listen more to what. I want what Marisa wants versus what I thought other people wanted or expected of me. And that was probably one of the most freeing things um, that I've ever done. And I still talk with him every single week for an hour um, and learn new and more things about myself. And so when I opened the practice, I knew that when something came along, whenever an opportunity that was good for me, for the other person, for my practice members, for my team would come along, that I would evaluate it. And it was the second person that had we had approached and had approached us. Um, he worked with one of my mentors up in New York, and he and his fiance were interested in opening up a practice. They were going to actually open up in North Jersey. But when they heard about some of my story, because I had talked with some of my mentors about where I was at that point and the idea that I wanted to eventually move back to the Midwest, we didn't know if this was going to be like a two-year thing or a five-year thing mm-hmm. or whatever. I just knew it was going to, one day it would happen. Um, and they actually came down and they checked out the practice and we went to dinner and we chatted a little bit and we kept in touch a bit. And it was right before Halloween, um, they made me an offer. 
and um, it took a little while. And by December, we had ended up signing a contract right before Christmas. And so in January, they came into the practice and worked with us for about a month to get to know everybody and see everything and see the workings of the practice. But everything was the same. They practiced the same technique as me. They had the same systems and procedures in the office that they were working in as the office that I had. So it was like a seamless, a flawless transition between me as the practitioner for my practice members and then Dr. Joe um, and his fiance Sabrina who ended up working uh, in the office as like an office manager um, so it it ended up being one really quick <laughs> um, but two the most incredible blessing because you know January 30th February 7th ish like I I moved back and I'm here and like I think back to those nights where I would stay up and I would cry and I would just try and figure out like what what it was that was drawing me back and what I was really missing and, and trying to understand and learn that, you know, to be back here in this area was such like a like a dream at that point. It was so out of reach, so many unknowns. And then the fact that like, you know, four four months later, like I'm here just kind of blows my mind. Talk about like energy and manifesting. I swear there were other <laughs> influences that allowed that to happen in the way that it did and to happen in such a great way where now Dr. Joe and Sabrina, not only are they engaged, but they're expecting their first baby. And it's so cool to be able to have left my practice, which was, you know, my business baby with a family that's going to continue to care for and grow with it as they grow and support their own family. So like, that's what, and my parents, my sister, like they all, my sisters, they all still go and get adjusted at Dr. Joe's, you know, it's now called better health chiropractic. When I had it, it was Altum chiropractic. Um, and so being able to leave the practice and understand that and detach from it emotionally after having poured so much of your like energy into it, you know, was a lot easier. But I also think it was easy because I wasn't able to fully emotionally be present because I wasn't my full, like emotionally whole self either. Um, and so it's been just like a really interesting last year because I mean, we're in August now. So it was a year in July that I would have opened it. Um, so it's just been an incredible <laughs> journey, but a really... I think important one, I think a lot of people go their entire lives like working and producing from a place um, maybe where they're not being their most authentic selves or just listening more to their own inner hearts and wants and um, regrets at like 70 and here I am able to do that at my age and do it where now as I go upon the journey of opening again or figuring out really what is next for me. I'm doing that from a much more emotionally like healthy and hearty place and about like what Marisa wants that to look like and how Marisa wants to define her life versus like all the other influences that, you know, you listen to because that's what you think you should do or that's what you think you have to do in order to really be something, you know? Yeah. And I, I've definitely noticed a lot of people over the last year totally who have who've had those same Similar types of, of revelations myself included yeah about like what am i doing yeah and is it really what my heart's you know into 100 percent totally and i think a lot of us have 
realize that the answer is no. Yeah. That there's that there's part of us that we're not tapping into. Yeah. That we're not embracing. Right. Whether that be from other people's influences mm-hmm. or just from our own idea of what right. of what we're supposed to be doing. Totally. And having all this time last year just mm-hmm. to ourselves and having to really like face ourselves mm-hmm. and not being able to get you know go to our, our jobs or our our businesses or our professions Gyms that will occupy our mm-hmm. our time so we don't deal with those things. Right. Well, now we have to, and yeah. you know we're actually learning things about ourselves that we needed to learn totally. And I think that that's a beautiful thing because yeah. we're we're really growing as individuals because yeah. of that. Yeah, you really, you really hitting it there with some of those things that you said. Like, I think if there's one thing that we can take from this past year, and one positive, definitely positive thing we can take from experiencing SARS-CoV-2, is that it definitely forced people to slow down and reevaluate like what's important. When you take all that other stuff away, what's really the most important thing at the end of the day? Like more people spent time with their families, like their immediately family Mm -hmm. unit. Like there were some practice members that would tell me like, I haven't had dinner with my kids, like all sitting down at the table in like years because everyone's got sports or they got school Mm -hmm. this or activity that or activity that. Like, right. We fill our lives with so many things that like just having that uninterrupted Mm -hmm. like time was actually quite a gift. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, like you've you've seen what I've been doing with the hunter series. I I yeah. I was like full force, like can't stop, won't stop. Like I wouldn't go to sleep until I collapsed, like from working, because that's how how focused I was on this. Totally. And you know, when all this happened, and I just had nothing to do, I was like, you know what? This feels good. <laughs> <laughs> we need rest. Like we need rest. We're humans. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of us have like an incredible capacity and like a reserve of energy to do, but it doesn't mean that you have to like utilize and tap that energy in a healthy way when it's for something that makes you happy or is for a purpose that adds a lot of value to your life. But oftentimes we end up tapping into that reserve just for the every day and just because. Um, so yeah, starting to kind of like trickle down and like you said, like identify what things are the most valuable or are the most important in our lives and things that we truly actually want to do is is something I think we've mm-hmm. all kind of learned through this experience for sure. And now that you are back here in the quad series, yeah. I have to I have to ask here. what's what's next? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. What what have you been up to? I'll, I'll ask that. What 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 have you been doing since you've been back? It's a loaded question. Um a lot of things. So one I knew I just wanted some downtime, right? Because I, I had just gone from zero to 300, you know, for a very long time. And I just wanted some downtime. So I took like maybe six-ish weeks where I just kind of chilled, got settled into a routine, um, unpacked everything and just kind of figured out, wow, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> Excuse my language, which is like, what the uh, hell? You're did good. You just do? You're good. You're good. Um, and just kind of like, process everything that happened and then I started to slowly get in so I do like a lot of random stuff like I love chiropractic I'll never leave it you know I I adjust here I have my license here in Iowa and I I do coverage work for like local doc if they um, you know need a vacation or need time off so that's a blessing I'm able to do that for um, 
for other Kairos, which is great. And then I hang out with dogs, like I'll dog sit and I'll do uh, substitute teaching. I did sub teaching for a little wow. bit this spring and I'll do that again this fall. Um, I'm helping out at uh, May Rocky Beauty Room. So my friend Dashi owns a hair salon there. Um, and that's another great way to like continue to meet people in the community. And um, I will definitely, I truly believe I'll have my own practice again. Okay. Um, I definitely want to open up. And I, I'd like to do it on my own. Um, there's just something about having your own thing. It's just like, it's a mm-hmm. whole different thing. Um, so I have some ideas of where and what that might look like. You know, before I thought so crazy about the Quad Cities was so congested. Like, how can mm-hmm. anyone individual, like, make it? But when I went home, like, there was literally a chiropractor <laughs> on, like, every street corner. I was mm-hmm. like, it's really no different there or here. It's just your perspective of it. So I'd like to do my own thing again. Um and I'm just kind of allowing all the crazy inflated prices to go down as we look for where to do a build out and what that might look like. But there's also something on the horizon that I haven't quite put my finger on yet that I know I should remain open to doing. So when I open, I don't think it's going to be quite as big or quite as elaborate as it maybe was in South Jersey um, or maybe quite as often like maybe do it a little bit lesser days during the week because I feel like there is something else that's coming that I haven't quite figured out yet that speaks to my heart that I want to remain open to being able to do. I picked up horseback riding lessons. Oh, that's really? been super fun. Yeah, I've always wanted to take horseback riding lessons. I've always loved like doing trail riding and stuff with my family. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to do more things that continue to introduce me to me. If that nice. makes sense. And just, I'm allowing life to unfold more versus trying so hard to like control how life unfolds, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand that perfectly well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, sometimes like, you feel like, at least for me, it's like, like, I got to make things happen. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like if, if I'm not making things happen, I'm not using my time efficiently. Right. But, you know, sometimes you just got to be patient. Totally. You just got to be patient and just, you know, you know, do good. Right. Be good. Do things with a good heart. Totally. Good karma is a real thing. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And, and you know, if you, if, you, if you do that, things will normally work out for you. Yeah. Yeah. I know, like, if I ever had to tap right back into that, Marisa, do, 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 go, go, go mode like I could, right? But I just don't want to. Like, it's not, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be me being, like, my healthiest emotional self. So allowing life to kind of unfold and take me on the journey of what is really, like, calling me to it and making decisions because it's what I want to do or it's because it, like, actually feels the best emotionally, Mm -hmm. like, healthily. That is where I really want to spend my time, like, living and being in. Now, as we begin to wrap things up here, because we have surpassed (laughs) the one-hour mark here by quite a bit. Um, It's been fun. We could talk forever. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to ask you, if you could tell the people at home who are watching, listening, one thing that they can take away from this conversation, what would it be? Gosh. I guess, especially because we're ending on it, like, 
just really make sure that however you want to design your life or find purpose and meaning in your life, that the value comes from a place of integrity and like what really makes your heart warm at the end of the night. Like nobody is on their deathbed saying like, oh, I wish I had worked more. I wish I had made more money. Like most of the time people are talking about the experiences of their life. Like I wish I'd spent more time with so-and-so or with my family, or I wish I had taken more trips. And we so easily get wrapped up in like just work and doing. And usually the people that are closest to us are the ones that get our worst selves just because we've already spent our energy in so many other places. So really just taking more time to be more present with yourself and with the people that mean the most to you and choosing things in your life that truly give you value and meaning as an individual and not just because you're a doctor or a chiropractor or a journalist or have your own business or like all the identity hats that we wear, but just truly you and your most authentic and raw self would be my best piece of advice for people. Oh, and that is an incredible piece of advice. Absolutely, 100% agree with you there. So Marisa, how can people find you if, if they want to look you up on social media? Sure. Um, so my handle now on Instagram is Marisa Nicole 10. I think it's, it might be marisa.nicole10.com. Um, and then Facebook, I'm just Marisa Bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N-N. Um, I am available for everyone. Everyone wants to chat, even just say hi. Hi, I'm here. I'm uh, not necessarily new to the area, but I love meeting new people. So if anyone wants to go out and grab a glass of wine or an appetizer, I love snacks. Snacks all day, anytime I'm here. We'll bring Jawan along. Yes. He's cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Um, but yeah, you can reach me there and ask me all the Cairo questions or life questions that you're so inclined to. Awesome stuff. Well, there you go, guys. Make sure you are following Marisa on social media. Hit her up, definitely. She is an <laughs> incredible human being, Thank as you. you've probably you know learned from this hour, almost 15-minute conversation. Oh <laughs> we went way over. Uh, it's all good, though. It is all good. Thank you for having me on. No problem. No problem at all. And everyone at home. Thank you for, for checking out another episode of the 100 Series Everyday Awesome Podcast. Stay followed to us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, here on Twitch. We are definitely trying to grow our Twitch following here. We want to make our Twitch channel absolutely huge in the Quad City. So I know some of you are probably watching this video on demand, probably the uh, the after the afterwards, after we wrap up the stream, you're probably going to watch this. If you haven't gotten to Twitch yet, Think about getting a Twitch because I'm definitely going to be posting here more often, especially doing our podcast here live. So right now you're just watching this podcast live. It's going to be up here for at least two weeks. After that, unfortunately, Twitch has their rules where they have to take it down. So then you have to wait. You have to wait <laughs> until it comes out on iTunes or Spotify. And usually that's going to be you know down the road sometime. So yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitch. That way you can see it exactly when we record it live. So that's my little plug for Twitch. Again, everyone, thank you again for being with us, for supporting us for 
allowing us to better serve you here in the community. We definitely appreciate all the help that you have given us 100%. Want to wish you all peace, prosperity, and positivity. Take care of yourselves, and as always, keep it 100. Bye.